Just like hot grits and hot takes, justice is best served on a hot plate. Welcome to Brunch and Budget, the show about personal finance and racial economic inclusion with your host, Pamela Capalad, a certified financial planner and accredited financial counselor here to take a bite out of your budget. Recorded live at Greenhouse Studios in East New York, stick'em, ha ha ha, stick'em. Brunch and Budget is part of the Race and Wealth Network. I'm your sound provider, Dialect, and here's your host, Pamela Capalad. Thank you, Dialect, and thank you everybody for tuning in today. So, we've been gone for the last couple months, right, Dialect? We've been gone, but we've been around. In fact, we've been you know, around. We've we, been around. We mentioned, uh, you know, the uh, Pam is an accredited financial counselor, and we actually had a presence at the AFCPE, their conference. Yes. At the yes, end of the year did. last year. Had a lot of really good stuff happening. Yo, this money stuff is tough. And we tell you guys all the time, like, oh, these systems, oh, they're out here and they're doing this bad stuff and they're messing with us and these bad actors within these systems. And that is a lot of folks in finance. A lot of times people who get into the business of money off of money is usually not an effort based place. Right. They're trying to screw folks over. But when I was at the AFCPE and I've met a lot of those folks before, but man, I was just so heartened to see people who work with money and their primary focus is on making it a more equitable thing. Mm -hmm. They are in the business of putting themselves out of business, which I appreciate. There are so many people who are in the helping business in one form or another who you can tell that they don't really all the way want to help so they can keep their business open. Mm -hmm. And most of the folks I saw at that conference had no interest in doing this forever. They wanted to do it till they fixed it and then figured out something to fix. So I just, you know, wanted to shout out all the awesome folks over there. I love it. Yes. And Dialect was there doing a keynote panel about how to do financial coaching through a racial wealth divine lens. And again, that's something that is a big focus of brunch and budget. And I think it's really important for us to understand these systems in the context of racial economic inclusion. Uh, we were just talking with, with Willie over here yeah. about how, you know, Willie Green, who's, you know, the owner and founder of Greenhouse Studios, yes. awesome, amazing musician and fantastic engineer. And we're just talking about how like we do talk a lot about race not we just do. in our work but also in our personal lives and the black white paradigm here in america and it's because there are so many things that are fundamentally affected by it the thing that we did to talk quickly is you know we spent a year talking with coaches who talked to clients about finance and asking them if putting uh, the racial wealth divide facts in there made it easier for them to talk to their clients. And in most cases, it was helpful for them to know that there are these larger systems doing these awful things because it made folks feel like they weren't crazy. Yeah. Like they weren't stupid. Like they weren't wrong. And it, it, I feel like that so much about personal finance is based around personal responsibility. And what I mean by that is that people will say, oh, the reason why you don't have more money or the reason why you don't have more savings is because you don't work hard enough it's because you spend more money than you save it's because you're frivolous with your spending it's because xyz and it's all put on the individual when really when we're able to understand and examine all of the systemic stuff that goes on and leads to all of this and leads to having you know it take 228 years for the average black family to catch up to the wealth of a white family for instance to have you know black wealth going down to potentially zero by the year 2053 it's not because somebody bought too many coffees it's not because somebody you know spent money on a big tv or whatever it is it's because of policy it's because of systemic stuff it's because of culture and media that have kept us in this bootstrap society yeah whenever anybody tells you that it's because of you they try to gaslight you into it just remember yo if the banks are too big to fail then you and your family are definitely too big to fail that's 
Right. And that's why we're here to make sure that's that we why don't. We're here. Yeah. So, you know, it is about you, but it's also about us. So let's talk about 2020. Yeah. 2020. Today, we want to talk about speaking of systems and how crazy they've gotten. 2020 is the year of the freelancer. Woohoo! We made it. We made it. That is what Freelancers Union in 2016 put out a study that determined that by the year 2020, they estimated that 40% of Americans would be freelancing. And it was a positive study. It was a positive stat. It was something that was meant to encourage people to start working for themselves. And we want to question that a little bit. 2020 is the year of the freelancer, but is that a good thing? Because we have also seen in the last four or five years the rise of the gig economy and the rise of a lot of companies who are making and worth billions of dollars doing that on the backs of people who should not be considered freelancers, doing it on the backs of people who should have more employee rights, who shouldn't have to take care of some of the expenses that you do have to take care of as a freelancer. And that line between freelancer and employee has gotten so blurry and so many corporations, and not just Uber and Lyft, I'm talking about Google, I'm talking about IBM, I'm talking about big corporations, I'm talking about every single news publication and blog that exists right now exists because of freelancers. Yeah, and you know, we're also talking about people like Mary Kay because, you know, it feels like a lot of these companies that are creating gig economy opportunities are really kind of like MLMs, like multi-level marketing companies. And what I mean by that is instead of doing the work of building a business, they want workers to do it, but they don't First of all, it's not even like back in the day where workers would grind and then the CEOs would get a a, a big bonus and then the company would get a bunch of money. They don't even want you to do that. Mm -hmm. They want you to be vaguely associated with the company and make them a bunch of money, but they don't even have to pay you health care. That's right. That's right. They just just get to profit off your hustle, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we want to talk about... Especially with, I don't know if you've been seeing this in the news, but we want to talk about California passing uh, AB5 is what they're calling it. And it is, it's basically a law that has made it stricter and more difficult for employees to classify people as freelancers if they're working for them and what should be considered an employee capacity. And the tough part is it's become very controversial because companies' solutions to these new laws have been to just fire their freelancers. And so we are blaming the legislation instead of blaming the companies for not actually for not actually figuring out how to make this work and do the right thing. This reminds me of when people were like, well, if you bring up the minimum wage, I'm just going to fire people. Right. Exactly. And that you that has not happened in most cities. Well, what's funny is like the people who are the thing that make the thing run, no matter what your industry are, they do everything they can to make us feel like we're expendable so that we won't ask for a lot. Yeah, that we won't ask for more and that we won't demand more. I mean, that's the fall of unions in a lot of ways, right? And I think that the gig economy has been a way for a lot of companies... Yeah, to work around unions. To work around unions. You know, unions are still out there kicking butt doing the best they can. They are. There's some great unions out there. But the nature of work has changed so much that unions aren't really equipped for it. And it's not even their fault. Yeah. Well, I want to start, too, with... 
Before we go into AB5 and the pros and cons of being a freelancer and change with this law in California, because this is unprecedented, is the glamour around being a freelancer, the Instagram culture around it, this idea of like the glamour of working for yourself. And, you know, Dialect mentioned MLMs, multi-level marketing companies, and that is how they sell you, right? They sell you on the fact that you can be your own boss, that you make your own hours, that you're not working for anyone else but yourself. You know, all of these things that there's a negative spin on being an employee and being this like robot or being this person who's like required to be at a place when you know when you're a freelancer then you get to be your own boss and take time off whenever you want the image of a freelancer that people have made so ubiquitous is this idea of like you with your laptop on a beach like sipping a Mai Tai or whatever it is although you're also hustling for 20 hours a day exactly like I don't want my laptop when I'm on a beach excuse me like that doesn't sound awesome but that is the thing right it's the constant hustle and also somehow you're constantly on vacation and besides if anyone has ever gotten sand in their lap let alone their laptop i know right not fun not fun new laptop in order for that one but the thing is too the this glamorization of freelance life i think has led to people being taken advantage of by companies i mean we mentioned uber and lyft specifically because they're one of the main reasons why a law like this needs to be in place is the fact is and we should talk about the definition of a freelancer or someone who is a freelancer and we've done this on the show several times with um with tax accounts and things like that but i think it's worth repeating again If you are a freelancer, a freelancer has a very strict set of rules in terms of what the IRS considers a freelancer. And it's really to protect the worker. And this is the legal definition. This is the legal definition. Yeah, it's to protect the worker. And there is that checklist. And I don't even know them all. But if you talk to an accountant, they will. Of all the different things that are required for you to be considered a freelancer and not to be required to be taken as an employee. Because it is very expensive for an employer to take on an employee, but it is not as expensive for them to take on a freelancer. A freelancer should be free to work how they want when they want to deliver the product in whatever nature they feel is their professional level of work. So they can't be told what to do. They can't be told how to do it. They can't be told when to work. They can't be told what hours they should be available. Freelancers are only responsible for whatever the result or outcome is that the company that is hiring them is asking for. So if someone, if you hire someone to make you a website, for instance, let's say, You can't tell them that they have to work between these hours. You can't tell them what software they can use. You can't tell them how they have to work. You can't tell them like what tasks they have to do on a certain day. They get to decide all of that and then they bill you at the end with the final product and that's it. And so that is the definition of a freelancer. Freelancers also um, are able to work with other clients. There shouldn't be an exclusivity in terms of only having to work for you or only being able to work for you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they are also responsible for paying all of their expenses for paying for all of their you know all of their technology all of their taxes things like that they're responsible for their own bookkeeping they're responsible for invoicing you and collecting money from you and, and oftentimes their own equipment yes exactly so there's a lot more responsibility as a freelancer that comes with that purported freedom that people are saying now what people have been taking advantage of is if you think about uber and you think about Lyft the thing about them is they have rules in place that tell you Uber 
for one, you are not allowed to have a car that is older than 10 years old. It has to be black or silver or gray. I think they have a limited car. So they even tell you what kind of car you can drive. And also, if you deny too many rides, they can shut you out of the system. And I know Uber and Lyft both have this mechanism where you can't choose who your riders are. You can't choose who comes into your car, essentially, which right there breaks the very definition of a freelancer. It's like, yes, you can turn the app off, but you can't choose who your clients are. That's one of the other benefits of being a freelancer is you can choose who your clients are, you can choose who you say yes to. And Uber and Lyft do not have the autonomy. I remember when we were researching the gig economy when it first started really bustling was Instacart. Instacart, who has been sued and has been involved in multiple lawsuits and is, I think, ultimately required, at least in some states, their... Um, their workers to be classified as employees because Instacart was requiring you to choose four-hour shifts to sit in a parking lot, but they also were only paying you if someone hired you to do the Instacart service. So to, they weren't paying you for those four hours. Yeah, to explain a little bit about how Instacart works, they had two people. It was one person. You bought your thing online, and they had one person sit in a car to go in the store and buy all the stuff and then bring it to another person to come deliver it to you. Yes. So if you had the job where you were just shopping for stuff, you might sit for four hours during that shift and never get a request and then you aren't paid for those hours. Whereas if you were an employee at any place, you know, you're working in a copy office, right? Nobody comes in to ask you to copy anything. You get paid. Yeah. Yeah, if you work in a store and no one comes in to buy anything, you still get paid for those hours that you sat there. And so the line... Can you imagine if they told like people who work in Foot Locker, this is your Foot Locker. This is your business. We're not going to help you. Here are the shoes. Sell them. Yes, good luck. You're only going to get paid for the shoes that you sell. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a commercial, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if we don't like the work you're doing, we just shut down your app, basically. If you're <laughs> not doing it the way that we want, you're effectively fired. Except guess what? No unemployment insurance. No recourse. No, you can't sue them because you're a freelancer. You're a contractor, so they can just shut it off whenever they feel like. The good thing about it is you do get a golden parachute, but the problem with that is gold is way heavier than air. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you just fall straight to the ground. The end. Yeah, so the thing about 2020 being the year of the freelancer and this rise of the gig economy is... We've been sold this idea that it's more glamorous, that you have more flexibility, all of these things. But what have we sacrificed, right? What have we given up? And we want to go into that in particular at the beginning of 2020 because, you know, 40% of Americans, one out of two Americans, at least part of their income, that means, if not all of it, is being made through gig economy type work. And all of a sudden, you're not only responsible for finding the work, you're responsible for filing your taxes a certain way, you're responsible for tracking your expenses, you're responsible for potentially at higher risk for audit. There's so many more things that you have to think about as a freelancer that you didn't have to think about as an employee. And are you really getting the benefits of working for yourself if you are just going from gig to gig to gig and having to piece together this income instead of having income stability? One of the number one things that we found is people are bragging about the unemployment rate. People are saying, oh, the unemployment rate has been the lowest that it has in years. And that's really deceptive, right? The unemployment rate is based on one, people who are employed on W-2 by their employee and also based on 
If you haven't been working for more than 18 months, you stop getting counted as part of the unemployed. It's people who are actively looking for work for a certain period of time. So yes, the unemployment rate yeah. has fallen off and has gone down, but the other thing it doesn't take into account is people who are underemployed and people who have to piece together two, three, four different gigs to be able to make ends meet, and maybe they're not. The unemployment rate does not take into account people who are not fully employed. And that's the thing that's so misleading is you can brag about this rate that's been the lowest it has in years, but more and more Americans are struggling to actually find income stability because of the gig economy. And that's where we are right now. 2020 being the year of the freelancer was meant to be a celebratory thing. And I think we find ourselves having been manipulated by huge companies, by these huge startups who have taken advantage of the fact that we do want more flexibility in our work, that we do want more time with our families, that we do want to have a work-life balance. And really what they're doing is making us work hard Harder and harder for less and less and that's where we are right now y'all yeah Not taking well remember we said earlier about how people want to work people want to be useful people want to have purpose and you know heads take advantage of that they really do so i say let's go to a song and then i really want to dive into the big californian controversy that's happening right now and i want to have an unpopular opinion about it <laughs> Ooh, i'm excited about your unpopular opinion so First of all, let's go on the whole other coast. Let's start out in D.C. with SM City with his joint, My Own Boss, featuring Proverb. And we'll check you in a minute. Rent and Budget. Yeah. They got me feeling like Malcolm, rocking the shirt with the letter X. And buried underneath, you see the treasure in the chest. Next best thing to Jake Rivera in the flesh. Even a revolution up in America is next. Staring at the ring bearer of this quest. Born the same day they was trying to bring terror to the West. See, I was born 9 11 85. Got a legendary grind, saying it's better, petty line. Better than petty crime, I feel I can do it all. The rules and your laws don't include me no more. Especially it's too big for your pool or your paw. See, I'm moving beyond like Madagascar. I'm in for the zoo that we. And shout to George Orwell, I refuse to be a mule on your farm Refuse to be a pawn playing chess with your lives Got them mesmerized by the deaths for the rest of their lives Sam, I guess 
will never take a loss again. Crucify their careers. I bet they never cross again. We can take them back to DOS again. We after that Microsoft again. Shake down. This is lyrical Parkinson's. I got drive like I can never park again. Because it's harder to barter with darker skin. I'm about butter, no margarine. I'm on my dough like Marge's man. No matter what kind of car you're in. If your credit ain't good, then you bargaining. You think you ballin'? All about your business. You ain't a boss, then you living off the interest. Uh, then you floss like you a dentist. But then, what's the point? Because you've been rich. See, old money don't show money. So most that show money ain't getting no money. That's why they looking at you so funny. Cause you don't know money, you'll never be your own boss. Nigga, turn it up loud, see the boss can hear me. And we're back, Brunch of Budget. That was My Own Boss by SM City featuring Proverb. And we're here talking about the year of the freelancer. Is that also the the, the, the Chinese zodiac? Is that is it a, <laughs> is it a freelancer, the, the, the rat, the, the pig, the, the dragon? Or is the dragon the freelancer? Do the freelancer just drag all the animals across and then get underpaid for it? I think that's great. Is that what happened? The, the Chinese New Year story is more fun than the uh, Gregorian New Year story. So it's, <laughs> a, it's a race with a bunch of animals, and that's how they determine the order by the order of the animals. It doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, why doesn't the dragon just fry everyone and, <laughs> and slowly saunter across the line is the dragon uber the tra- <laughs> there we go thank you for bringing us back i was going too far <laughs> so today we are talking about the year of the freelancer and it's based on a stat again that freelancers union put out that they estimated that by 2020 the year 2020 40 percent of american workers would be freelancing and it was meant to be this amazing celebratory fact like let's celebrate the freelancer let's celebrate flexible work mega corporations it's the beginning of an economy where we're we're sharing more and yes we're all working for each other blah 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 all this stuff and really what we're seeing with how the gig economy has evolved well it's basically how the internet was supposed to be that too but now like basically only 20-ish years deep we're already back to it's just tv (laughs) <laughs> it's true and literally TV in many cases in fact like actually on the internet like remember used to be a lot of stuff you could do on the internet now you can only like read news articles read fake news articles or watch TV it's like those are your <laughs> options that's the summary it's true it's true so 2020 year of the freelancer let's talk about freelancing in general and the state of it I really want to dig into the gig economy stuff and um, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of government stuff that is trying to figure out how to navigate how this has evolved because clearly this has gotten out of hand. I think when we look at Uber and Lyft and Instacart, they are models for how a lot of other companies have been hiring people as freelancers. I have had clients who are freelancing 45 hours a week for IBM, freelancing 50 hours a week for like huge companies, IBM, Clorox, Google and this isn't Apple. like this isn't like they did forty five hours a week for like six weeks and then they were done. Right? No, they were like yeah, a lot of like creative ad agencies will hire somebody full time freelance where it's forty five weeks for like a year or forty five weeks for several years, and this is just like how it is, you know and. This is like, uh, I, I always love talking the relationship. This is like, you know, you dating that person who's like, yeah, I don't want to put a label on it. <laughs> 
you know, we're just people. And then you find yourself in a situationship. You ever heard that one? A, a si situationship. You ain't really in a relationship. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't own me. I could do what I want. But then, like, you stay out late and don't call them. And then all of a sudden, they catch feelings. They're like, excuse me, you mm -hmm. work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're seeing this more and more, not just with these gig economy jobs that you think about, like the Postmates and the, there's so many of them now. Handy, there's so many apps where they basically decided to be middlemen and hire all these contractors and not actually make them employees. And the thing about freelancing is it can be great, and it's also very hard. Speaking as two freelancers ourselves, having a lot of freelance friends, working with a lot of freelance clients, there is a level of stress with freelancing that I feel like we don't talk about as much or enough in that there is no income stability. And there is false income stability when it comes to potentially being hired at a company for 45 hours a week for however long, right? And having your sole source of income for, come from a place, there's that feeling of like, oh, great, like I know what income is coming in. But there's so many other things that you benefit from being an employee that cost the employer more. Yeah, One I mean... I, my mom would have been really excited if I was like, hey, I got a job where IBM got me working 45 hours a week, but less so when she realized that I was just IBM's side piece. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Freelancing. Don't be anyone's freelance side piece. Anyone, please. So the thing is, one thing is one of the main, main benefits of being an employee and one of the main difficulties of being a freelancer is the tax situation. You hear about this all the time where new freelancers are caught off guard by how much they owe in taxes at the end of the year. Because one, when you're an employee, your taxes are automatically taken out of your paycheck. So whatever you take home, even though the number might shock you, is whatever you're is whatever you're actually is yours. It's what you're allowed to spend. And with a freelancer, you get that big check and you're supposed to remember to set aside 30% of it for taxes because none of that's getting taken out. The other side of being a freelancer on the tax side is there are two taxes and this is called a FICA tax or a payroll tax is Medicare and Social Security tax. Together, those taxes make up 15.3% of the taxes that you owe. When you're an employee, your employer is responsible for paying half of that tax. So 7.65% of that tax is something that your employer is responsible for paying, and then you as an employee is responsible for paying the other half. When you're a freelancer, you're responsible for paying for all of it. So you are paying effectively seven and a half plus percent more taxes by freelancing so it's not all the same right when you are freelancing for somebody full-time they don't have to cover that tax for you and that's saving them a ton of money think about the ubers and lyfts and people who are doing that full-time for them and uber and lyft not having to cover that half of social security and half of medicare tax so that's one huge aspect of it another thing to think about is again we were talking about how these companies can just shut your app down or they can just not need you the next day, right? Because if you are working for a big corporation and they decide to downsize, they're probably getting rid of their freelancers first because it's also cheaper to get rid of freelancers. When you're a freelancer, you don't have access to unemployment insurance. And unemployment insurance, having helped clients through getting fired, will get you through a lot of the months where you're actually searching for your next job and you do not have access to that as a freelancer. Unemployment insurance, you get maybe four, $450 a week 
to be able to get you through that month to look for the next job, to figure out what your next move is going to be. And you don't have access to that at all as a freelancer because your employer is not required to actually buy unemployment insurance for you. They're also not buying workers' comp insurance for you. They're not buying state disability insurance for you. They're also, when you work full-time for a huge company that has more than 50 employees, like the big companies that I mentioned, you are required to offer them health insurance. But when they're freelancing for you, guess what? You don't have to give them health insurance. You don't have to give them disability insurance. You don't have to give them life insurance. You don't have to give them really any protections for their health or their well-being as a worker. Well, and You're expendable. Well, and it's funny, the whole thing, you know, also like intrinsically being a freelancer and you're not being tied to them for a while, you don't have to worry about like if they fall ill you'll just nope get another one one. yeah and also in new york and in a lot of states there's a paid family leave or the family medical leave act which basically requires that employers are well in new york it's a new rule where you have to buy paid family leave insurance and someone is allowed to leave for up to 10 weeks and this insurance will cover 55 percent of their income for up to 10 weeks. That's huge. In a lot of other states, there's that um, family family and medical leave act where you have to hold someone's job for at least a certain number of weeks and not replace them if they have to take care of a sick family member, if they have a baby, anything like that. If you're freelancing and you have a baby, guess what? They can just fire you and that's it. They don't owe you anything. There's also, speaking of which, this is very close to us right now since we're looking at our little baby right now. He's sleeping and we had to finagle maternity leave and paternity leave. You have to figure out as a freelancer. By the way, by finagle, um, for our, um, uh, Pam's not actually Jewish, for our Jewish listeners, she doesn't mean that she bargained in a particularly hardcore way <laughs> to get these things. We just had to like figure it out within ourselves. I yes. guess we had, to, we had to finagle with ourselves. We had to finagle with ourselves. The self-finagling. Yeah, we had to figure out what that would look like for us as freelancers, right? Like how much money... We still is- don't know. We still don't know. We got through it, but we don't know. But we had to decide, like, okay, if we're not working for these three months, what are we giving up as freelancers versus a company just paying for your salary while you're on maternity leave for a certain number of months? Well, and and a tough thing that, you know, feel free to holler at us if you have specific questions about this. It's like, what counts as work then when you are working for yourself is like, hey, being on my email for several hours, that count? Should I cut that down? If someone just wants to have a phone meeting, that doesn't sound too obtrusive. Can I do that? And we had to make decisions decisions about every specific little point. Yes, absolutely. So I want to talk. I don't know too much about California's AB5 law that passed. Uh, it just happened. and I'm not in California, so it's not something that's kind of been in the air. But I became aware of it because I saw a Twitter thread of a writer who was saying that she just got fired from multiple publications that she was writing for because of AB5. Yeah, I've seen mostly writers have been complaining about this. Yes, and I think I was telling you die like that and you're like, well, that's because they're the ones on Twitter. Um, Right, right, why it's writers and not like everybody else. uh, yeah. Yeah, but the thing about AB5 is California basically rewrote the rules of what freelance and gig work looks like in California and they made it more strict so that companies could only only allow someone to do a certain number of things before they had to classify them as employee. So for instance, one publication could only hire a freelance writer up for up to 35 different articles before they had to say, okay, that means you should be hired as some kind of, you know, part-time, full-time writer at that point because clearly they're using you a lot, right? 
So they put limits on how much someone could use one writer before they had to actually take them take responsibility for them as an employee and as a worker for their company and the reaction that companies had instead of taking that on was i'm sure you guessed it they fired their freelance writers and what's happening and what i'm seeing is freelance writers and you know this could be the fault of the rule that they implemented and the fault of not really thinking through what the effect was going to be in the short term but writers are blaming the legislation instead of blaming the companies for not stepping up yeah which is garbage also what are these companies going to do then are they just going to write things themselves? Well, they probably are going to only hire them for 35 stories instead of 50, for instance. Uh, I see. So they're going to get them to the limit and then not do anything more. Or they're going to give more writing to their staff writers. Or, you know, instead of hiring 20 freelancers, they'll hire like five staff oh, writers. Something right, like and they're, they're going to overwork their staff writers. This sounds very similar to uh, the recent situation with Walmart, where mm. Walmart was like, you know, that was another big offender of like someone who was trying to juggle not having to pay benefits, but also having people who aren't them doing all the work. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this is coming up with Amazon, too, because of their fast delivery services, is they're hiring third-party companies who are contractors to do the delivering for them. Man, yeah, I, I saw those signs when they were like, hey, do you have a car or a truck? Now you can be Amazon's delivery thing. And I was like, what happened to, to people who do what that? What happened to UPS? <laughs> yeah, like UPS is a whole company. UPS that, who is, in fact, unionized. Yeah, that's their thing. And pays their workers living well, wages. You'll see that a lot of these are trying to circumvent strong unions so that they don't have to even begin to deal with them. Yeah, so the people who are affected, and AB5's initial, um, the initial impetus for it from what I've seen was to figure out how to navigate around the Ubers and Lyfts and those startup companies, those like gig economy companies that have been popping up, but they did also address people in the creative economy and I think that's why we're feeling it and why we're seeing people get hit hard by it is again freelance writers the rule is that if you sub if writers submit more than 35 articles a year to any given outlet they would need to be hired as an employee so that's a huge one um hundreds of freelancers have been dropped by clients like vox media boo vox really i know right that's i like a lot of the work that they i like a lot of the people who work for you vox well and a lot of the work that vox does is around like outing shit like this <laughs> well again this is the work done of the workers it's so right. interesting how companies have these identities built by their employees but and, they don't take care of them right and then they don't want to take care of them and be like oh no we're above that and also like bail us out government if we ever fall apart yeah the one of the things assemblywoman lorena gonzalez who wrote ab5 said that the law seeks to eliminate exploitive permalance positions and not legitimate freelance opportunities so permalance is such a great term it open-ended non-benefited contract positions and that's what i was just talking about and explaining was it is open-ended. You have no idea how long it's going to last. They can just cut you like they did when this new law passed, right? They were just like, well, fuck it. Like, we're going to cut you guys because you're on contract anyway. There's no benefits, nothing like that. And so permalancing has become the norm of freelancing. And it's become this weird, oh, it's pseudo-stable thing. But you don't get any of the benefits of being an employee. What's been happening is it looks like that some outlets have turned their freelance contributors into part-time employees. But in some situations, they just fired people. The other thing with photographers, photographers were also affected. Again, 35 seems to be the magic number here. That photographers can't contribute to an outlet more than 35 uh, times per year. Again, without triggering the fact that you need to be hired as an employee. And personally, I think if you're hiring someone 
more than 35 times in a year, you should hire them. You should make them a part-time employee. You should give them benefits. A huge, significant chunk of their income is coming from you, employer, who should be responsible for other aspects of their well-being, right? That is why being an employer is not something to take lightly, right? That is why being an employer is something where you are not just taking on the responsibility of making your company grow, you're taking on the responsibility of someone else's livelihood. And I say this as someone who, you know, Brunch and Budget has three employees now. It was one of those difficult decisions of, because I'm a smaller business, I don't have some of the same requirements that a lot of companies do in terms of offering health insurance or 401k plans or things like that. But it was very important to me to be able to provide those well-being type of benefits to my employees before I hired someone and before I hired someone full time. Because at the end of the day, I think I heard someone say this recently, is if you have to underpay your workers to make a profit, then you don't have a good business. If you are in a situation where you're like an Amazon, right, where you're like a Walmart and you rely on the fact that the government subsidizes you paying less than a living wage then you are not a good business. You are hoarding money. You are not taking care of the people who work for you. And so freelancing and permalancing has been another way that companies have been able to do that. And again, I think it's impacting the creative economy so much more, not because this bad legislation was going after creatives. It's impacting the creative economy because we take it. We say, yeah, that's fine. Don't give me benefits. I'm just getting to do what I love. I'm getting to be a freelancer. I'm getting to be my own boss. We are undercover passion on the run, chasing love up against the sun. We are strangers by day, lovers by night, knowing it's wrong, but feeling so right. If I'm with my friends and we should meet, just pass me by. Don't even speak. Know the words discreet when you're a part-time lover. Wow. Just if the analogy isn't clear enough to y'all. Yeah. It's indefensible how these companies, like Pam was saying it even softly, like really, if you can't afford to take care of your employees, don't have employees. Be a sole proprietorship. Do it yourself. Yeah. Take care of the people who work for you. You're responsible for them when you take that on. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. I want to see Mr. or Mrs. Uber. I don't know if it's a family, whoever. Mr. and or Mrs. and or Ms. or whatever the designation. The Ubers. The Ubers. I want the Ubers to go and drive everybody around the country and That's see how right. that feels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When, again, we look at all these creative people and creative freelancers who are being affected negatively by this. And I think it is because we've allowed companies to treat us this way well we've allowed but also the companies idea, companies have felt like they could treat us this way the idea that you are doing what you love and yes. feel like work people have put all of this stuff on us like that's something separate and i think us creative people are very used to people devaluing things by being like but you like doing it yeah and not realizing that there needs to be both yeah. I should like doing what I'm doing because I'll be better at it and I should be fairly compensated for it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Musicians are affected by AB5 in a similar way. You know, gigging as a musician is this LAist, and I'll link to this in the show notes, this LAist article, um, you know, said before the word Is that gig- like being racist, but you hate LA? Is that what LAist is? No, it's is? like Gothamist, but LAist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
but maybe. Um, before the word gig became synonymous with platforms like Uber, it belonged to musicians, right? Right. When you think about musicians, you think about, I'm going to play a gig, I'm going to play this piecemeal thing, and a lot of musicians do piece together their income. And whether or not they call themselves freelancers, they were freelancing in we're a lot freelancers. of ways, right? Yeah, you're freelancers. And so for them, the idea of having to be a W-2 employee when you're like being hired to be a drummer or having a producer mix your tracks or things like that um, is going to complicate things. And they're not super clear on how gigs in the music industry are going to change. Um, does that mean, for instance, that if someone was hired to play a set at an LA club, that they would have to put them on payroll for that night? And so it's, which becomes super complicated. It does. And you know what's interesting is I was thinking about this and I was like, man, that's really rough. Like clubs can't afford that. Musicians, you know, having to like, you know, be on W2 and to have the taxes taken out and all of that kind of stuff. That's tough, right? But if you think about a huge union in the creative industry, SAG, SAG-AFTRA, or or even Equity, equity for you know, over over here for in New theater, York as yeah. the theater stuff. The reason why these things exist, the reason why those unions are so great is because people do take advantage of artists and people do take advantage of creatives because they know that they're just going to do it. And, you know, folks who are at the the top and want to have us not be involved in unions, they like to pick out those little pieces of where it doesn't actually work for everybody because union stuff doesn't always work for everybody it doesn't i remember when i first started to do like acting stuff in new york and i was non-union going around i got a couple of like you know um a showcases that i could possibly join equity and i was like i don't want to because i had all of these off 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 gigs mm -hmm. that were paying me like not enough they were exploitative rates but I was okay with taking them because I wanted to do the thing mm -hmm. and because I was also building up my resume and I couldn't demand a really high rate. And I realized if I joined equity, I would lose all of those gigs. Yeah. And that was a scary thing to me. Yep. But this is the thing about it. Uh, I ended up going and doing other stuff. Uh, I still do stuff involved with the stage, but I'm usually writing for myself or others. I didn't become a professional in that. Mm -hmm. If I intended to become a professional stage acting, I needed to create a path where there was a point in which I stopped taking these whatever gigs. Because that's what we talk to everybody else about, right? We yeah. always say that, like, yeah, you can't always get your rate, have your introductory rate, yada, yada, yada. But once you pay your dues and build your portfolio, you should be taking your real rate. And Actors' Equity exists to make sure that when you take that step, that actual step to become a professional. You get paid. Yeah. You get paid. You get benefits. Well, and, and that you get taken care of. One thing I love about Equity is, like, after a certain number of hours, you have to stop and take a break they can't oh, run word. you 30 hours you have no idea you know acting stuff you hear some stories about like oh in titanic they were submerged in the water for like six hours a day and it was only six hours because of the union yeah because exactly. of, of sag if it wasn't for sag they would have been like and no diss to any of the people involved but like they would have pushed the production schedule and you would have spent an entire day in the water everyone would have had pneumonia right well and that's so funny because this article LAist film and tv workers will be largely unaffected by ab5 because guess what the union already requires
requires you to be put on payroll. It already requires you to be paid a certain living wage. It already requires you to be counted as an employee and benefit from that. You get a W-2, you get put on payroll, even if you just do one commercial, even if you're on a shoot for a day or two, you as an actor in that commercial, as a writer for that TV show, whatever it is, you're required to be put on payroll or you're required to set up a corporation that gets paid separately. That's the only way that you can be counted as an employee and that is because of the union. And the other thing about the unions in particular that I've seen is they have health insurance after a certain number of hours. You can access health insurance. You can access a retirement plan. You can access a pension and a 401k plan. You can access disability insurance, life insurance, because those unions are that strong. And they have treated these workers as professionals in their field. And so AB5, for all of the... I don't, I don't know if it necessarily was just like not passed thoughtfully or if there wasn't any, you know, any recourse for companies to say like, oh, hey, I can just fire these people. Like there, there were no provisions in there for AB5 there. But I think AB5, honestly, is a step in the right direction. And, you know, I say this as someone who wasn't living off freelance income and working for 50 different publications and now I got fired by half of them, right? I say this as someone who wasn't directly affected by it. And so I can see in the short term and maybe even in the near term, long term, whatever, that people are going to be heavily affected by this. But I think we're also blaming the wrong people. Mm -hmm. I think we're not blaming the companies who started this in the first place and who decided like, oh, this is how expendable they are. The new law passed, instead of stepping up my game and doing the right thing and making people employees, I'm just gonna fire them because I can. And that is the reason why in the first place, freelance for these companies was so risky. Right. Mm -hmm. Because things like this happen and you don't have any protections as a worker because of legislation, because things are evolving. Companies can just cut you because that is what you signed up for. And that is what they thought was enough. And that I feel like is the, the real problem with all of this. So I feel like we should go to a song because now I'm all like riled up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, we, we got a good one for you. Got a good one. We're going out to Cincinnati, Ohio. I, I love Cincinnati, Ohio. It's where they used to have the Scribble Jam out there. People sleep on the Ohio hip hop. And there is a crew called Patterns of Chaos. Yes, that's P-O-C. And they got a joint, Free Your Body, Free Your Mind. We'll be back in a minute. Bunch of budget. Free your body, your mind. Yo, when Come I'm on, on the mic. You would think I've seen the other side Cause one would have to know death Just to look this alive, right? I thrive cause everything that I write Comes from inside Every line is a little piece of my life My light illuminates stages by designing To deny my own drive That's basically suicide, right? So you decide if you wanna sit in your corner Pondering what could've been collecting dust until become I decided what was best for me Seen the table set for me Seen the empty plates and started cooking up the recipe My progression nothing less than manifest Destiny your teeth till nothing left of me only then can I rest in peace Especially with all these people standing next to me Each of them saying that they willing to hold their breath for me If this isn't meant for me, I'll get it in the next life But something in my chest is telling me it's just right Yo, free your body and your mind 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 This is how we go Free your body Free your mind And free your body J-A-Y, all the letters of his name Couldn't suck an MC's, the shame is my game And I'm playing well, playing for keeps Steady making 
people pray or fail. Long as I'm competing, they play for second place for real. Meanwhile, I'm creating distance, wasting time hating. I ain't trying to mess with them. Rappers are lower them A bunch of space fillers, fake killers. Only one that stay real, stay hill away. To the day somebody come up in my way thinking I'm gon' stop. Like I'm supposed to treat them as a roadblock. Homie, you in what army? You couldn't harm me one iota. I step with blessings by Iola. I'm safeguarded by Kayla Harden. I'm armed with the thorns from the roses growing in her mama's garden. I climbed through the holes that she punctured in the darkness. Couldn't find a space for me, so I carved my own compartment. Stayed to myself. Quietly, I grew as an artist. Head spun when they saw my brain. It already started. If you keeping your head hard against all odds, say uh huh, uh huh. To the people walking tall, even with those scars, say uh huh, uh huh. To Cincinnati rising stars, say y'all know who you are, say uh huh. Curious and full of optimism and experience, but honest is showing some early signs of wisdom. I get it in within my designated window, for they see my tins and drill them, replace them with cynicism. This guy's this realism, make me dance to their rhythm, integrate me in their system. Tell me that's truly living. They couldn't kill my vision, I'm still in need of convincing. Maybe I'm crazy, I live with it, I'm just made to be different. It seems I'm out of your mind, cause you would let somebody put constraints on your time, and you would let somebody put a shade on your shine, put a stop to your grind, change your mind and walk around. Like it was just fine. I believe in no crime. Nobody speaks of a peak till history reveals the point when you were done trying. I'ma go till I get mine. Call it immature if you want, but once it's said and done, I'm gonna be number one. Bring your body and your mind. 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 We're gonna bring, bring everybody. Bring your body. Bring your body. Bring your body. Bring your body. Your body and your mind. We're going We're back, Brunch and Budget. That was Free Your Body, Your Mind, from the album Freedom by Patterns of Chaos. I really like how uh, someone described their joints as it's like the smoothest stuff and the hardest stuff at the same time. They really got an excellent balance there. I'm a a big fan. I love it. I love it. So we are talking about 2020 being the year of the freelancer, particularly with California's AB5 law passing and making it more strict and more difficult for companies to basically just hire freelancers because they're too cheap (laughs) is the summary right is companies have been hiring freelancers and there's a phrase permalancing which means you're hired by company for the bulk of your hours 40 to 45 hours you're essentially a full-time worker but the company has decided to hire you in a contract non-benefited position throughout that i mean permalance sounds like should be like in that movie where someone gets shipped back to medieval times but already knows technology they invent the permalance and win the joust every time (laughs) oh yeah i like that 
Unfortunately, that's not what it means. Because <laughs> that's not what happens. It's not as cool as that. And one of the things, too, that, you know, was brought up in um, this LAist article that I'm going to link to. Um, very thorough. Well done. Um, I hope uh, I hope a staff writer wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I hope you still work for LAist person who wrote this. What, I know. What's their name? Say their name. I know. The person who wrote this article is David Wagner. David Wagner for LAist wrote this article. Um, it's a fantastic summary. Got to get the power back in the hands of the people. Yeah, right? And it's something where they talk to some freelancers. And again, like I say all of this, you know, as someone who isn't in a position to be subject to just instability of income, right? I'm not that kind of freelancer. I'm not in a situation where I have to wonder where the next gig is coming next month. And I know there's a lot of creatives and a lot of freelancers are in that situation. And a lot of creatives and a lot of freelancers also rely on companies like Uber and Lyft and Postmates and Instacart and all of these gig economy things to be able to to be able to fund their passion. Well, and those of you who are working for one of these companies or another company that does some harmful stuff, don't be. We're not shaming you. Not we're at telling all. you you need to quit and go out and do the thing. Remember, these institutions take advantage of us, and we have to do what we need to to make sure that we take advantage of them to take control and take care of ourselves. Yeah. So that we then can do the stuff we want. Right, and I mean it's funny because we were just talking about tipping right before the show, and the idea of tipping. And, you know, we think tipping is stupid, but we're not going to not tip because we know that we don't need to be penalizing the worker. Not that we think tipping is stupid. We understand that tipping comes from slavery and is inherently based in not only anti-blackness, but anti-workerness. So, I mean, it's a crappy thing that we feel (laughs) bad that we have to be party to that. But if we don't, man, we really got us over a barrel because then we're screwing over the people who have the least. Yes, exactly. So the thing is, if you're freelancing and you find that you need to do one of these gig economy type jobs, to get to the point where you can, you know, have your creative career be your full-time career or to be able to, like, fund you being able to, like, start your own business or whatever it is, do what you have to do. But laws like AB5 are going to make it much easier for you, ultimately, to be able to do that and to be treated fairly as an employee and to be treated fairly as a worker. Because here is what Uber is saying about AB5. They said Uber's legal team has said that it does not believe AB5 applies to their drivers because the company does not consider drivers a core part of their business. What? 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 Uber does not consider drivers a core part of their business. What the fuck kind of logic did some lawyer tell them to say for them to be able to confidently say that shit to us? Well, 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 you know, uh, I remember... Are they a technology company? In what supersized me or or one of those uh, books about that talked about McDonald's, I remember they talked about how McDonald's isn't in the restaurant business. They're in the real estate business. So Uber, instead of being in the driving people around business, are... I don't know. Help me here. What, what, I don't what, know. <laughs> hey, Uber, I don't even have a good You're excuse for you. They're in the app you. business. Yeah, they're in the That's a- what they like to say. They're in the they app are. business. They're in the tech business. They're in the tech business. They sell apps. Yeah. That's where all their money comes from, their app. You know, 
one thing I was thinking about when people, you know, uh, some folks listening might still be on the fence about unions because they've had a decreased presence and they've been villainized a lot in the, you know, well, forever and also forever, a lot yeah. recently. And one of the things about it is like, it, it seems like, oh man, you know, these unions aren't, aren't going to do any good and all this kind of stuff. But when you look at these companies and you look at the big unions, you're talking about SAG, but also look at the sports unions. People mm-hmm. are always like, oh, these athletes make all of this money, right? Because at some point it came to a real for real head where the players said hey we're not a replaceable thing mm-hmm. try us test us you, if you look at history you'll see they had like lockouts and strikes where they had like replacement players and guess what nobody showed up yep. because regardless of uh the nba or whoever saying we're in the business of uh putting people in a room for three hours and you know it's yeah. not, not the business of the sport the athletes were the draw and understood that and were able to put the barrel well, to put the owners over the barrel in that situation. Mm-hmm. And remember, in every situation, not so demonstrative outside of the arts, and, you know, we count sports as the arts in this, um, but it's not so demonstrative, but really, the people who make the stuff are the people who make the stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, we're in a situation right now where, you know, the sports union is a good example of people who did very clearly have the power in that situation and i feel like that bigger companies like uber and lyft and you know we're talking about all of you i keep mentioning uber and lyft in specifics but companies like that have capitalized on the fact that people are struggling people have been struggling since the great recession started in 2009 people have been struggling to piece together income and they you know sold a path to them and i think that the only way to really change how they do their business is through legislation and through policy because they aren't the people who are driving uber and lyft are not nba players right they're not people who are able to say hey if i don't show up then i'm irreplaceable at this point they're people who are needing to make ends meet and really the only way that this kind of stuff has been protected and workers rights have been protected is through legislation that's been progressive like this And even though AB5 hurts and even though AB5 is going to be very difficult to deal with in the long term, because companies are going to interpret it however they feel like they're going to interpret it and companies are going to fight it. Uh, Postmates, Lyft, DoorDash, they're putting $90 million into a lawsuit to combat AB5. What does that tell you? Well, and thinking about how much money they spend, you know, it always baffles me how much money companies spend on lobbying. I'm like, man, couldn't you just spend this on being a good company? Yeah. Yeah, couldn't but, you just give your workers health insurance, pay, sure, their, pay their employee tax? Well, this is the thing. I'm sure they know that and like they wouldn't mind doing that if it was the cheaper thing. So that imagine how much they're actually saving. Right. So imagine how much they actually owe. Yeah. Think about how rich these companies are, what their ridiculous profits are, and think about how much they should really be paying folks. Yeah, exactly. And this is why it's so important to back policy and legislation. And again, like I said... I'm not in the situation where I am freelancing like this and I know it's really difficult and a lot of these companies have put a lot of people over a barrel in this sense of feeling like this is the only option that they have. And so when we put legislation in place and when we support legislation that makes sure that people are paid a living wage, that makes sure that people are classified as employees when they should be, that makes sure that workers are protected, then we continue to move the needle towards a place where we're seeing now companies need to be forced 
to do this for their workers. People don't just do this out of the goodness of their heart. That is why unions have had to exist in the past. And that's why we need these kinds of laws to be passed and we need people to set precedent for this. And so as we think about 2020, as we think about this new year and this new decade, right? As we think about it being a freelancer, as you think about what kind of work you want to do in the next decade. Well, as we think about the businesses that you want to build, yeah. if, if you want to be the next Jebediah and Gertrude Lift, then maybe <laughs> you, right? that's the name of the founders, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, uh, exactly. If you want to be someone who starts one of these gigantic, huge companies, there's nothing wrong with starting a company that goes viral and goes global and becomes this big thing. But think about the people who are going to do the legwork. Think about your place right now where you're at and how you want to treat them. And I implore you not to start a business if you're not prepared to treat your workers like your partners. Thank you. Well, yeah, but thank you in advance for doing that. Yes, dialect. You and your conclusions, man. You've been getting me on these episodes. I'm like, I have nothing else to say. That was perfect. The end. Yeah, well, you alleyed it, not oop it. Uh, we're going to finish off. Speaking of policy, we're going to go to Albany, New York, All so right. we can get some policy done with this cat named Marv. And I like his. He's got a hashtag. I'm just a barber that raps. And he's got a joint. My own business. Sprunch and Budget, part of the Race and Wealth Network. <laughs> we'll check you next time. Peace. Yeah. All right. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Yo, they be acting like I can't do it. Like I can't be the next Jay-Z. It's like, niggas that don't be ever doing shit with themselves got the blueprint. Me, I'm like, motherfuck that shit. Excuse my French. French Montana got me feeling like, like, nigga, I ain't worried about nothing. I'm numb to the bullshit. I'm feeling like I'm built to fight. Always beat the odds like a redhead stepchild, homie. Look, recognize one when you see a chair. Homie, this our chance supposed to look. Got the crown on, got the shades on, got the perfect swag for them to hate on. They be praying on my downfall. I just play on, like it's five times, but I'm always Gucci. Ain't that what they all say these days? I don't know about y'all, but I ain't worried about no bullshit. I'm trying to get paid these days. I got babies, they ain't cheap. Paper chasing this. Oh, this on my mind, I'm chasing paper like an alcohol. Chase liquor with more liquor shit. I don't give a shit about nothing else except feeding my family. These days, I got a lot on my plate. And even though I'm always underestimated, I make sure I stay on top of my game. I ain't got no complaints. Complain for what? Look, either way, shit's not gonna change my own business. That's what I'm on. That most had inspired minds. Yeah, we build a corporation. Homie, you can quote that. Homie, talking cheap. That's why a broke nigga always got the most to say. You ever notice how ancient niggas always got the answer to get you the way you wanna go? Niggas swear they know the way to the top when they started from the bottom. And they're still there. As Drake would say, I'm on my worst behavior. Homie, I'm completely out of fucks to give. And it feels so great. Homie, I'm just minding my own business. My own business. I'm just minding my own business.